one thing that I have learned from taking classes uh, with Dr. Melillo especially is that the child on the spectrum, their brains are not the same. Uh, and we're not just talking their brains, you know, like perceived differently, you know, like this esoteric kind of thing. We're talking their brains are not the same. And this just came out yesterday. This article just came out yesterday. Brain differences linked to autism can be spotted three months before birth. Three months before birth. So what they actually did, I, I went into this and I looked at, I researched the paper uh, at least as much as I could quickly. Human fetal brain magnetic resonance imaging, which I didn't know they did. They did MRIs on fetuses. Tell a live fetuses tells future emergence of autism uh, brain disorders. So if you read through this, it essentially is telling you that in regional comparison, the ASD, which is autistic spectrum disorder group, has statistically larger amygdala, hippocampal commissure, and insulin compared to non-SD controls, and with neurologic or non-neurologic comorbidities. That's huge. At 25 weeks in gestation. Right. So when, when we talk, uh, the first several classes, there's going to be a lot of talk about kids on the spectrum. This is one of my favorite kind of kids to take care of. When we talk about these kids, we're going to, we're talking that their brains are not the same. Now, basically the same, they're basically the same structure, but there's going to be some, some significant differences in the hippocampus, in the insula, in the prefrontal cortex, there's in the cerebellum, there, there are changes, there are different things happening on kids with kids in this on the spectrum than in a neurotypical child. So I remember when Melilla was talking about this when I first took his classes back in 2009, 2010, everyone's like, you know, well, they're just different, but it's not, you know, there's nothing measurable. This is measurable stuff, and now it's measurable before they're even born. Now, does this mean every child who has autism has measurable differences before they're born? No, that's not what it means. What it means, though, is that there are measurable changes in a number of kids on the spectrum before they're even born. And you have to understand, what happens with the spectrum is essentially there's like several different kinds of kids on the spectrum. You have one kind of kid on the spectrum who, like this, there's already brain changes before they're even born. Those brain changes start to manifest by several months old when they, they're not paying attention, they're not having good eye contact, they're not having good social interactions, uh, they're, they're not playing with others, they're not smiling uh, you know, to human uh, communication, etc. So that's like your tip, that's like your classic one direction kind of autism. Then you have the secondary kind of autism, which there's two kinds. There's number one is the regressive autism. A child is neurotypical or relatively neurotypical, they're doing fine, and something happens that messes with their brain, whether it's an illness, Lyme disease, pandas, you know, strep, that kind of stuff, which we'll, be, we'll talk about this at another time. Um, uh, some, some, or some sort of insult, a trauma, a concussion, you know, some very bad insult to their nerve system that changes them, uh, you know, vaccines, something has interrupted the way their brain is growing and now they're shifting towards autism. So you have your primary autism, which is a kid like this, who at 25 weeks already before even being born is already headed on the spectrum versus other kids who are developing or potentially developing neurotypically and then will go into autism later on, right? So that's your, essentially your two basic 
kinds of autism. You have your primary and your secondary kind of autism. But what, so what this shows, <clears throat> though, what I really want you to understand, because I've been doing this for a long time. You guys know me. This is my 33rd year of practice, 21st year at the university. So I've been doing this a long time. Kids on the spectrum, their subluxations don't respond the same way as non as kids who are neurotypical. It is, they're not the same. I am telling you, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, your care plans have to be different. Your care plans are six months to a year starting care plans. They're not three times a week for a month, and two times a week for a month, and once a week. That's useless. You're going to have to have very, very, very long-term care plans with these kids because I, you'll adjust them, and an hour or two later, they'll be just as self-excited as they were as if they'd never been adjusted. It is fascinating because it's not just their brain. It's like if you can measure this, if you can say that at 25 weeks, they're already having some kind of brain differences, you know that there's nerve system differences also in their peripheral nerve system, in the spine, and the way the spinal cord works, and the, the tracks going up and down. All that stuff is different. And that's what I want you to really get at when we're starting this class today, is to understand this is to take care of it. First of all, take care of it in the spectrum is to me a giant honor and a blessing because I know I know how scary it is for the moms and the dads because I've seen it for so many years. <clears throat> number one. But number two is it's an opportunity. And understand this, it's not an opportunity to change the kid. You're not trying to change the kid from being minimally speaking to speaking whatever. That's not your goal. Your goal is make this kid the best kid they can be. Whatever manifestation that will be. Will some of them talk? Yeah. Some will go from not talking to talking. Absolutely, I've seen it. But will all of them do that? No. Can you predict? No. No, I, I cannot predict. But I know, and I know that I know, <clears throat> that these kids are coming to my purview, that they're going to change socially. They're going to be calmer. They're going to have better eye contact. They're going to have less tantrums. They're going to be better communicators. All those things, those things I know are going to happen. So that's how I wanted to start off today's class, is to say where, where we're going is we're going high-level science in this class. We're talking Melillo in this class. We're talking Dr. Ken Bach. We're talking Dr. Glenn Doman. We're talking high-level stuff because I want to teach you the upper echelons of what you should know going into practice. Should you never, ever take another ICP class? Heavens to Murgatroyd. But should you never, ever take another ICP class? I want you to know this basic information. <clears throat> now, should you take an ICP class? So as faculty of university, I'm not allowed to say for or against you should taking these things because it is not in my purview. However, being an ICPA member since 1993, when Dr. Webster officially formed the ICPA, being a speaker since 2013, I kind of will lean you in the direction that ICPA is really great. Because if you, but, but I don't care what pediatric things you take. There's a bunch of other pediatric things out there. I know nothing really about them, but there's a bunch of other stuff. I will tell you this, though. If you really want to take care of kids, you've got to get certified somehow. I don't care. ICA, ICPA, whatever other gizmos that are popping up out there. There's all kinds of new copycats out there now. You got to get it. You got to get it because you, you got to show the people I'm serious. You got to show the people you're serious. The people who come to see me, they they know that I am serious about kids. 
just saying I'm a family doctor, putting on your website or putting on a Facebook thing or doing some TikTok or you dancing like this, and then the rest of you guys are dancing like this, and, and you say, we love kids and these ridiculous advertisements that I see on TikTok and whatever. I'm like, okay, you might attract some people with that, but that ain't, that's not showing me you're serious. You might be fun, which is good, but you're not serious, right? To, to me, to the best pediatric chiropractors, best chiropractors of any, whatever they do with this, sports or pediatrics or geriatrics or orthopedics or whatever it is, they're ones who are serious, who are serious students, who make studying a habit. Studying to me is as important, important as exercise is to me. Now, I'm constantly, I'm pulling papers off the internet like this one I just showed you. I got two other papers I pulled off the internet yesterday. I'm just constantly looking and I'm getting stuff fed to me from different lit serves and stuff. Mental health, suicidality, connectedness among high school students before the COVID pandemic. This is showing like a 20% increase since the pandemic in kids with mental health disorders. Four in 10, four in 10 teens have had a mental health disorder during the pandemic. Four in 10. That's, this is from the CDC. This isn't some like crazy psychology today and whatever. This is, this, this is serious work, right? This is the kind of stuff that you need to be looking at constantly, finding this kind of stuff, because this solidifies over and over and over again why I do what I do. Because the way I want you to look at it, whatever town you end up in, who else is going to take care of these kids? Who else? You got a bunch of other chiropractors out there who are advertising 20 buck adjustments and back pain, neck pain, whiplash, headache, fixer uppers. Hey, that's great. We need those. You know, that's good. But who's going to take care of the kids? Who's to take care of the pregnant mama? Right? Who's to take care of those people? Who's to take care of the kid on the spectrum? Right? It's got to be you. You have to make that decision. It's going to be me. And I'm going to be serious about this. And I'm going to study this. And I'm going to take Dr. Rubin's electives. And I'm going to take ICPA classes. And I'm going to like take all these other things. And I'm, I'm going to get certified. And I'm going to be the best I can be because the kids need us. Because without my thought process is without us, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what's going to happen, right? A kid comes in a couple of days ago, I mean, a couple months ago, bouncing off the walls in HD, bouncing off the walls, cannot lie himself face down, lies face down, starts crying, 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 because he's so, like, upset, so, like, just sitting still just makes him so crazy. And he's got all kinds of snot running out of his nose, and snot, 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 snot. Six weeks of adjustment, six weeks he's coming. Yesterday we did a re-exam. He comes, lies down, hi, Dr. how are you? Lies down, goes through the whole protocol, adjust, adjust, adjust. He, no more snot coming out of his nose, listening better in class, not getting in trouble in school. Six weeks, guys, who else is going to do this? Who else is going to do this? If I don't do it, if you don't do it, Jordan, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Right? That's how I look at it. This is, this is my town, not, not separate from someone else, right? But I have to think about it. This is, I got, and it's not just here, I got people coming from Dahlonega. I got, someone just called me up, she's going to send her, her, they live in Utah, they're going to come to see me from Utah. We do intensives. We got to think bigger. We got a big vision we have to have. If we don't have this kind of vision, who is going to? If we don't take care of the kids, who's going to? This is getting, this is desperate. If one in five kids have a mental health disorder, four in ten teens have had a mental health crisis the last two years, who's going to take care of these kids? Is it a lack of Prozac? They need more Prozac. Maybe we should, maybe we should put lithium in the, in the drinking water instead of fluoride. That's my idea. This way, everybody will be calmer. 
if you just dump a little bit of Prozac <laughs> or lithium in the drinking water, and then you'll have the, yeah, it would be like Brave New World. Anybody read Brave New World? Anybody read that book? You, if you haven't read Brave New World, you really should read that book. It is one of the most amazing science fiction books ever, and Elvis Huxley in the 1950s wrote about this world where everybody is sort of like, everybody's just like, so almost like dormitory living, and everybody's that way. And the, you all kind of go into this tray, and you take your tray up, and you get your food, and they give you two little happy pills. And everybody takes the happy pills, except for the small group of people who didn't, because they want to be different, right? But that's what, it's, that's what we're headed towards. If, if they're already putting fluoride in the water, you know they might be putting something else, and we'd have no idea, right? So who's going to take care of these kids? got to be us, right? That's why I teach for life. That's why I teach for ICPA. That's why I teach for Polyvagal Institute. That's why I teach for all these different things, because I want to be able to get this out to the masses. The importance of research. Uh, and not so that you are doing research, like writing papers, although you should, uh, it's not a bad idea. But in, in terms of you just kind of constantly looking, being on the lookout for new things, new developments, new changes, always, there's always something going on in pediatrics, uh, just like in any other, you know, specialty. Uh, and you need to be on top of it. So I don't know if you guys uh, had me in class any of you guys last quarter heard me ranting and raving about the change in the developmental milestones. How many people are aware? Raise your hands if you're aware of the change in milestones. So if you're not aware, let me just give you as a warning that if you did not somehow hear about the hubbub that the change in milestones occurred uh, last month, um, you are not doing enough research in pediatrics. You need to, to really start paying more attention to this because you're going to be left in the dirt uh, when a patient asks you, what did you think about those new milestone changes? And you're like, oh, right? That's not, that's not a good answer. You should be on top of this kind of stuff. So um, they had a massive milestone change last quarter. Um, the CDC and the American uh, Academy of Pediatrics put out a massive milestone change in which they changed walking from 12 months to 18 months. They changed talking from 12 months to 15 months, and they eliminated crawling altogether as a milestone. They changed their parameters from being uh, from a milestone being when 50% of kids reach it to, to when 75% of the kids reach it. So from some to most, from the average to most, the thought process was to be uh, more cognizant uh, of these milestones and be more aware of these milestones so that they can pick things up earlier. But I don't quite see how pushing back things will make it better for someone to pick something up earlier. But this is what they said. <clears throat> so here's an example, though, of, of what I feel to be is a really huge problem <clears throat> in pediatrics. And that is for years, I've been fighting this for years. Um, they've been saying, uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics and a lot of other places and saying that what well, this headline here from pathway says what crawling looks like what does crawling look like it might not be what you think <clears throat> i'm going to tell you crawling looks like one thing and one thing only it looks like a cross crawl there is no other way to crawl but the cross crawl now there are a lot of ways that kids are going to crawl but they ain't crawling so as an example we'll look at this so here's a, the classic right so this is like co-classic right the classic hands and knees crawl, right? So that's a, that's the normal thing. But then they say the hands and feet crawl. 
or what I call the back crawl. And then the belly crawl. Now the belly crawl is appropriate when someone's learning how to crawl, right? So their, their first like, couple of weeks or a month or so of trying to figure out how to crawl, you're gonna do this before they get on their hands and knees. So I'm okay, depending upon the timing of this. <clears throat> but then they have scooting like this, or otherwise known as maybe like a crab crawl. Well, then there's a kid who just rolls and they don't ever crawl, they just roll, right? Um, and what, and that what they're saying is that all these different variations are normal variations to crawling. But what I'd like to point out to you is something a little different. And let me see if I can find it for you. I should have pulled it up, but now it just comes to me. Let's see. Uh, That's the name. Here we go. This is one of the first papers written um, about this topic, if I can get it to pull up here. It's called Movement Analysis in Infancy May Be Useful for Early Diagnosis of Autism that was written back in 1998. And for some reason, it's not pulling up. Maybe this one will pull up better. Well, maybe not. Anyway, so back in 1998, the title bounds did a study saying movement analysis in infancy may be useful for early, oh, here comes, early diagnosis of autism. And what they found is that if kids are not doing neurotypical movement when they are younger, they are raising the risk of autism later on. So when I see in my practice, I see kids who are not doing this, who are not doing the normal cross crawl, they're doing the bear crawl or the belly crawl and they've been doing it for too long or the scooting crawl or rolling or whatever other crazy kind of crawls that they're doing out there. I see that those kids who crawled incorrectly as little ones now have many more motor problems later on because they couldn't get the normal corpus callosum cross crawl mechanism. I think this is wrong. And so do a lot of other scientists. But you've got to be able to understand that because you've got to be able to see this with the little munchkins that you're going to see in your practice and you're going to see them booty scooting and the crab crawling and all this other crazy kind of <clears throat> stuff and you're gonna have to say to that mom or that dad does the child always crawl that way yeah is that normal crawl well no but you know doctor says it's fine yeah but do you think the brain thinks it's fine if instead of crawling like this they're 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 crawling like this you know they're on their rear end you think that's the normal way for them to crawl well no but you that might be affecting their brain development well, yeah, and you never say something like, well, this could cause autism later on. That's the wrong thing to say. <clears throat> you just say, you think this might affect their brain development? If they're supposed to learn this and they're doing some other kind of thing, you think that's going to affect their brain development? Well, yeah. Well, maybe we should get them checked. Right? Because this is what I see over and over and over again. I see milestones being blown off. And for years, I've been talking about milestones being blown off, and now the CDC and the American Academy of Pediatrics just eliminates crawling altogether. And their rationale 
for eliminating crawling altogether. You can see an article in Psychology Today that talks about this. The head guy who wrote the article says the reason we eliminated crawling altogether because there's so much variation. There's so much variation, so we just couldn't, we didn't want to put it in there anymore. So we just took it out altogether. Like, if a kid comes into my practice and they didn't crawl or they crawl inappropriately, then we make them crawl. We, we have the parents teach them how to crawl, right? So I'm a little confused, but actually, maybe I shouldn't, let me rephrase that. I'm not confused. I know exactly what's going on with, with, with these little kids' brains. These guys are confused in saying that this is a normal way to, to crawl. This is a normal way to get around, that you don't have to crawl in order to thrive. They don't have to crawl to create certain brain patterns. Are they kidding me? Like human beings have crawled for millennia. And now all of a sudden it's not important. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. <clears throat> I don't buy it. <clears throat> but the reason I'm bringing this up is because if you are unaware of these changes, you are behind. But you're in school right now, so you're insulated. When you're out in practice, you cannot be behind. If you're a pediatric chiropractor, you've got to be ahead of the game, right? My patients expect me to be way ahead of the game, to know this stuff before it comes out, to know this stuff so that when they ask a question, I don't say, well, I never heard of that before, right? So I'm asking you guys to get really serious about this. I said this in my lab too, to get really serious. If you guys want to be pediatric chiropractors, you better be really serious of scouring the literature, of finding journals that you want to follow and follow their journals and have them send stuff to you that's of interest, of, of doing your own lit searches and keeping up on top of this kind of stuff and take away maybe some of that Facebook time that you're using and make it study time so that you're keeping on top of this stuff because this is going to make or break whether people find you as an expert or not, right? So I really want you to take that to heart for those of you who didn't know this. And for those of you who did, kudos to you for knowing this ahead of time. Because this is the stuff, like I'm going to be talking about stuff like this all quarter long. Every time there's research, I'm going to bring it up. Every time there's some hot kind of thing, I'm going to bring it up because that's how we grow, is we're constantly learning, 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 learning new things, opening up our minds to different things. 